0: means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each, then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for 2.49 dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app
1: to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
2: My Marlins. I need you guys to sneak in, man. I know.
1: They're, they're a half a game behind the Cubs, so they, the Marlins winning would be sweet. All right. So we are back. Another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. Some uh, some crazy things have happened in the last, not even 24 hours. Um, <laughs> Jake's shirt kind of says it all on what the biggest piece of news is. So that's what we're going to start the show talking about today is, is the Damian Lillard trade. We're going to start with that. Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers also clinched the NL Central last night. So that also <laughs> happened. And yeah. then we have one Badger game to talk about. This week, uh, the Badgers get in their first win on yeah on Friday night in the Big Ten. Uh, nothing major, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. um NL Central yeah. champs, Damian Lillard, nothing, nothing big yeah. going yeah. on this week. Um, so we're gonna do basketball, baseball, football. A busy week, but there is no Badger preview this week, so we ha- we save a little bit of time there with no preview because that'll be next yep. week, uh, to preview the game with Rutgers. So. <laughs> We are going to start with the Bucks, and we're going to start by talking about Damian Lillard. But before we do that, the first thing we want to do, this is the first thing we are going to do is thank Drew Holiday for his time in Milwaukee. And yeah. my big thing, and people are like, Oh, this is horrible timing with him saying he wants to be a buck for life. And I'm sure that that came up because people were asking him, you know, are you seeing the rumors about the Bucks and Damian Lillard being interested? And what do you think about that? Because, mm-hmm. And the, the amount of people that didn't know this is shocking to me. Chris Middleton was never going to be included in this deal. Right. Because he was signed and you have to wait 90 days. So that wasn't going to happen with Chris Middleton. So Drew Holiday was the one that was going to be included. Now, what I would say with Drew Holiday is if it gets to a point where, you know, he's done, he's ready to retire, I would like to see him sign like a one-day contract back with the Bucks and retire as a Milwaukee Buck. That's, that's how I feel about Drew Holiday. But yeah. for me, the fact of the matter is that, first of all, Drew Holiday was absolutely the catalyst for the Milwaukee Bucks winning their championship. Yep. That deal took them from contender to champion. There, yep. there is no other way around that. He really? is already part of the Valley Oop. He was part of our defense throughout that entire playoff run. Drew Holiday was the catalyst of the 2021 championship. but. And this is a bittersweet trade to lose Drew Holiday, so this is a a sad but. The fact is, Drew Holiday did not play well in the 2022 and 2023 playoffs. When we really needed him the most, honestly. Because in 2022 playoffs, Chris Middleton was hurt. And that Boston series, we were begging for anybody to help Giannis offensively. And then last season, Giannis missed a game and a half when he fell on his back. And we needed we needed Drew Holiday to step up again. Chris Middleton did his part. We needed uh, Drew Holiday, and unfortunately, he just didn't perform to the level that we needed him. So um, that's that's where I'm at with Drew Holiday. Absolutely love him. He will always be one of my favorite Bucks because of the contributions he made while he was here and the way that he played. Absolutely loved him for that.
2: So well said. First of all. For me, uh, I loved watching Drew's growth. Uh, we knew that he was a great defender. We knew that he was versatile on offense. Um, he was always an underrated player, still the most underrated player in the NBA. I will still always believe that the guy could score from the post. He scores with both hands, uh, his step back jumper, chef's back kiss. The
1: league. His step back is so good.
2: Yeah. It's, it's gross. Um, he set an NBA record for the longest span between All Star appearances, so that was awesome that we got him there. Yeah, that was. Great. Um, okay. He is part of the best play in Bucks history. I still watch that play on replay for ten minutes at a time, uh, just just to relive that moment of being champions. But like Tyler said, we wouldn't have this hat. I wouldn't have spent thirty seven ninety nine on a hat without Drew Holiday. Um. Drew holidays. Yes. Yes. I have the t-shirt as well. Um, I have a, a little picture up there with all the signatures of the books or champions. We, he gave us so many great moments. Uh, the, I remember the Boston series, like you were referring to where, yeah, he, he got the, the steal from, uh, from Marcus smart. And we stole that, that game five on the road. That was a, a great game. Uh, but you know, I'll always love Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday will also remain one of my favorite bucks of all time. Uh love Drew. Uh thank you for everything. Thank you for showing this team uh some dog mentality, teaching this. You know, in in my opinion, he's the best at getting around screens, too. Uh, the guy is just is impossible mm-hmm. to screen. Uh, he's, he's a great first tile defender. We'll always love him. Uh, but yeah, uh the thing about sports. People aren't understanding when we're talking about this. Everybody's like, we're losing defense. Hope our defense survives. Blah, blah, blah. Listen, we'll get there. in sports. And like you said, it's bittersweet. Drew was already talking about retirement. So, as a GM, when you got your second best player, which was Drew Holiday, talking about retirement, and then you got your best player, the guy that you got lucky that turned into this guy, talking about, I want to play for a contender. And if that means I have to go somewhere else, you know, that's, that's two red flags. So you have to, A, get rid of, you have to try to put out fires as a GM, right? And we need to stop dogging our GMs. Okay. Tyler and I were just having this conversation for the love of God, dude, we are blessed with a lot of great GMs.
1: All three of them are fucking Arnold, amazing.
2: literally fleecing everybody. Who the hell thought of signing Josh Donaldson and he gets his power back? Who thought Mark Cannon would be hitting over 300 as a brewer? Carlos Santana at, uh, giving us stability at first base. Defense hitting from both sides. Uh, John Horst has done everything to keep this team in contention and made us uh, a championship caliber team. Wait till, I, wait till Gutekus, I go through this
1: progression when we get to it.
2: And and Brian Gutekus... Uh, has done nothing short of, you want to talk about putting on fires, dealing with the Aaron Rodgers saga at the end of that, that was messy. That could have been way worse. But I feel like Brian handled that very well. Um, th- that's not dogging Rodgers by any means. But, you know, those, those high-caliber players, those superstar-caliber players are hard to deal with at times, right? They get so much coverage and all that stuff. But we have some great GMs. Now back to Damian Millard and, and Drew Holiday. Love Drew. Will always love Drew. Thank you for your time here. I agree with Tyler. I hope he signs a one-day contract so he can say he was kind of a buck for life. I hope he finds a, a spot on a good roster where he has a chance at a ring. Yeah. But it's gonna be really hard to beat a combo of Dame Lillard and Giannis, bro. <laughs>
1: um, what I want to say too is to tie this in is um oh really I want to tie Reggie. this in. Ooh. Um I want to tie this in, too, is I want to throw a thank you out to Grayson Allen. Yeah, He yeah. he played with a ton of effort every day. He was going to give you 10, 12 points, four rebounds, and four assists. And one of the nastiest dunks of the entire season last year when he dunked over Fortner, he yeah. buck Jordan Wara, which was sick. Arguably my favorite play of the season last year.
2: Yeah, Grayson, he's a vil- he's looked at as a villain. But I feel like Grayson, uh, he grew up in front of our eyes as well. Now, Grayson was more of an offensive guy opposite of Drew, where Drew was always known as a defensive guy. But Grayson grew a lot on defense last year, yep. and we defended him a lot. Uh, yep. He also was a great spot-up shooter for Giannis. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about his dribble-drive ability, opening up stuff yeah, for, for the rest 100%. of the team. So, That's a great call. I feel like Grayson has a lot of value on a team as a rotational you know, two-guard.
1: And he's gonna be there in Phoenix. So he's gonna be backing up Bradley Beal and, and Devin Booker. So
2: Yeah, they're just gonna there's gonna have a team of two guards and a tall two guard and Kevin Durant. So that's apparently what they're going for.
1: Yeah. Um Brett, we're gonna come back to what this means with Giannis. So we're we're gonna come back to that. Um John said we need to end the losing streak, especially going into the playoffs, or am I wrong? There's still five games left. Um not super worried about it. Um, Reggie said, we aren't done. We're going to be getting one more piece for the box. I think what he means by that is that the Bucks have an open roster spot.
2: Yeah. 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 So I um, I thought he meant something more juicy. Like we're going to trade for somebody else. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Cam. Yeah. Campaign is uh, a leading candidate. I would say as a backup point guard, um, Dennis said, if drew stays in Portland, it's actually a good move for him. He's, he's not going to be staying in Portland. Portland is going to be looking to flip him right away. Um,
2: you know, Tyler and I talked about this the other day. Um, that Drew Holiday actually would be really good uh, in Portland for a lot of reasons. They got Amphrey Simons uh, that he looks like a, a young star, which is the reason that I think Portland was okay trading Dame because they want oh to no. just hand the team over anyways. Obviously everybody knows that they, they drafted Scoot Henderson. So yeah. uh, having drew there for Scoot would be amazing as Scoot looks to be a two way player, a guy that can, uh, score the ball on offense and absolutely dominate you know, on defense. Look at his body frame; the guy already looks like an NBA player. So if he uh-huh. can learn to, you know, dodge those screens and and uh, disrupt the game from defensively, uh, obviously he can finish in the paint. He's a big, strong kid. So uh, Drew in Portland would actually be good for him. He could get talked about ten years from now when Scoot Henderson is doing an interview and he's one of the top ten players in the league uh-huh. and he's dominating on defense and he can bring up Drew Holiday's name, but. That's just gonna make us think about the back to back championships we're about to win. So <laughs>
1: Um Josh, we gave up. We gave up Drew. Um oh he said what did we even give up for? Um Sean said they need to get momentum to do anything in the playoffs. I don't think they need to have a winning streak going into the playoffs. Like sure it would it would just be nice to have more wins overall, but honestly, as far as momentum is concerned, I would actually rather knock the Cubs out of the playoffs in that last series more than I would like prefer going into the playoffs on a winning streak. Uh, I don't really think that's a super important thing for me. The more important part of it going into the playoffs for the Brewers would be um, just being set up the way you want to be set up with their pitching, and I don't think it's going to be a thing where like say they say they lose three out of the next five that they're gonna just continue losing like we've seen them snap out of streaks in a big hurry yeah
2: so. uh with the with the brewers i mean like like what you're saying um the thing has always been runners in scoring position right uh holding yeah. teams under four runs the brewers pitching staff is, is dominant uh if you haven't there's a great article that came out last week actually on mlb.com about how dominant our pitching actually is so go check that out if you're interested in that stuff but the brewers pitching is not going anywhere uh, their ability to dominate at home is not going anywhere. Yelich yeah, so, is getting healthy. Yeah, Yelich is starting to Yelich is starting to rake a little bit again. So if the Brewers hit with scoring position, keep getting on base, doing what they've been doing, playing good baseball, letting yeah, the pitching carry them, they could beat anybody, really. I mean, besides Atlanta, because I think Atlanta's well, just we'll put a pin
1: in this. We're, we're planning to talk about this as as far as you know what's coming next for the Brewers. Um, we're gonna put a pin in the Brewers. We're gonna come back on. Dennis is bringing it up. Don't sleep on Middleton. Dame Giannis has big 3. That is a massive big 3. And we're going to talk about this now because it's Dame time. It is officially Dame time. Holy shit. I put it to you, is there a better duo in the NBA than Damian Lillard and Giannis? No. Not no. even close. Not,
2: not even close. Not
1: even, not even close. remotely close.
2: People if I swear to God, I swear to, to the 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 people up top. I don't care who it is, whatever you believe in. If I hear somebody say KD and Booker, I will lose my shit. It's not even close.
1: Booker is not a top ten player.
2: No, but Giannis Booker, and
1: Damian Lillard are two of the five best player in the NBA. I do Dylan, it, still Dylan's I'm shock. telling
2: you, dude. I was, Bill, I was like, Tyler, I don't even know if I want to talk about anything else today, dude. I'm I'm flipping out. Work? I just forgot everything shitty that happened at work today as soon as I saw the news.
1: Um, Jimmy Butler is shady as fuck right now. Part of me thinks that he's just kidding as far as Jimmy Butler goes. Um, yeah. Okay. So, no better duo than Giannis and Damian Lillard. Do you think there's a better trio than Lillard, Giannis, and Middleton?
2: People are going to bring up Phoenix again? And personally, this is just my personal opinion. Don't kill me. You could be like, use wearing a Bucks Sure, the force is going to say that. I think that the Bucks big three fits together better than the Phoenix big three.
1: And the reason is the Bucks have a power forward, not a power forward, point guard, small forward, power forward. Whereas Phoenix is set up as shooting guard, shooting guard, small forward.
2: Okay. Now, what did I say last night? We were live last night, by the way, all you people that didn't join. We talked about the Packers. Um, and I said, everybody calls it a passing league, right? But the running game still never went away. The importance of the running game is still there, still sets up play action. Running can still set up the pass in the NBA. Everybody talks about shooting threes and all this other stuff. The importance of having a dominant big man still never went away. And the Bucs have a dominant big man. That is the difference for me. <laughs>
1: That's um, apparently Portland never gave Miami a chance to make a final offer before Dame before accepting the Bucks deal.
2: Dude, they saw Drew Holiday and they're like, yeah. Well, they also got some pretty good pieces from, uh, Phoenix. If I don't, they got DeAndre Ayton too.
1: Yeah. Um, okay. So Brett said, I didn't know he signed an extension for two years. Um, it's. He's under contract for four years, and yep. then if he is a player option. Uh, people forget Bucks made it under the radar signing with Malik Beasley, which I love. We didn't forget. He's going to be a nope. candidate to start at shooting guard. He has the most bench three-pointers last season as well. Uh, he's great on the three, two, and defense. Malik Beasley is hes a decent defender, um, yep. but they have Jay Crowder for defense also.
2: Yep.
1: Um, that's what I think people are forgetting about a little bit more than Malik Beasley even is that the Bucks brought back Jay Crowder. Exactly. Um, so Giannis can focus the paint. No more hacking up threes. You got Lillard, Middleton, Beasley, and many more. And Pat Connaughton is still—he's still a solid dude. Like Pat Connaughton just a dude who's going to go out here and give you a bunch of a bunch of effort. And Sean There's brought up winner. the next guy, Marjan no. Beauchamp. This is arguably my favorite part of doing this trade. I thought if the Bucs were going to do this trade, there was no way they were getting out of it with by keeping Marjan.
2: Exactly. I did Me
1: not too. think that was even a possibility. To get Damian Lillard without giving up Marjan, uh, Reggie said we got a young bench, we do with guys That's like not a bad thing, That's not a bad thing, Chris that, That's
2: not a bad thing. Those young guys are getting playoff experiences here.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, we're big fans of Marjan Beauchamp, and I think no, it says a lot. Beauchamp. I've said this previously, actually, as a reason why I thought the Bucks might not be interested in Damian Lillard because they'd have to include Marjan Beauchamp was the fact that they weren't willing to include Marjan Beauchamp in a potential deal for Bradley Beal.
2: Yeah.
1: Um yeah, Reggie's excited about having a young bench. It's it's something that I think by having veterans in your starting lineup and then some uh, some bench some bench um some bench youth, it keeps the window open longer.
2: Yeah.
1: <clears throat> uh, Sean said, when do you think he'll be starting five? Um I don't know. It's it's we can't it's hard to predict, too, because we have a new coaching staff is the other thing. <laughs> um. So he has a little bit more time to develop, which is true. Bill said he has some more time to develop. But the thing with Marshawn Beauchamp is, like I said, if they weren't willing to include him in a deal for Bradley Beal, I think he's going to be a big part of their plans.
2: Yeah, he honestly might sneak in and start this year because Beasley's so good off the bench. I Beasley agree might you. just be one of those guys that's better off the bench. That's not that's not a slight. Some of those guys are just better like that. You know what Pat I mean? That's
1: another example.
2: See, seeing how the game flow is going, and then they can okay. kind of read and react off of that. Um, so maybe they just throw Beauchamp in the, into the starting lineup. Uh, think about all the pressure that's taken off him. He doesn't have to come in and look to score right away, right? Yep. Um, he can learn on the fly with two superstar players and a guy who has star potential in Chris Middleton. Um, also, he can learn uh, a little uh, defense and kind of make some mistakes. I'll say with Brooke Lopez out there. So, uh, having champ out there, I think would be the the great great move by the Bucks. We'll see how Griffin feels, but um, yeah.
1: <laughs> this is the new banner for this segment. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Let me throw a dark horse, because I don't think this is going to be... Does Marjan wear double zero? That'd be sweet. That's a good
2: question, actually. That's a good question, actually. I would love
1: that. I would love that if Marjan wore double zero. That'd be sick. I
2: didn't even think about that.
1: (laughs) Um, Let me throw this out there. I don't think this is going to be the case, but I do think it could be one of those situations where, let's say, they're doing a load management day for Chris or Giannis. I think Andre Jackson could make... 10 12 starts this year.
2: I can see that he's, he's
1: already. I'll, I'm, I have no problem saying this. Andre Jackson is already a better prospect than Jordan Wara was.
2: Oh, yeah. I believe. And that.
1: Jordan Wara had a bunch of starts under his belt. The thing with, um, the thing with Andre Jackson is he is a leaps and bounds better passer. He's not as good of a shooter, but having Andre Jackson is a guy who can run in transition, which is something that the Bucs are going to look to be better at.
2: Sean, we're we're not load management guys either, but it's going to happen. So we're going to talk about it. Yeah. We can't Um, control it.
1: Yeah. And it's it's one of those things that the NBA is cracking down on. So they don't want, we're not going to have situations where like they rest the whole starting five. Right. It's going to be one guy at a time, which I do like that the NBA did that.
2: Yeah. I like that too.
1: So they're not, they're not they're going to find teams that sit more than one of their star players at a time.
2: Okay. But you know, there are going to be some teams that, that do do that. Um, are you ready to, to switch up and talk about maybe the effect that Damian and Giannis are going to have on each other? Not yet.
1: Cause I have some things to say about Damian Lillard.
2: All right. Let me hear it. Let me hear it. I, I'll add a little bit into it as well. I have. Some okay. Out.
1: So he's one of the best at uh, points per possession as a pick and roll ball handler. Mm-hmm. Which we like to see. Um, he averaged thirty-two point two points last year and seven point three assists. Uh, Damian Lillard's contract is four years and I believe it's two hundred and sixteen million. He is also A on the money. Supermax.
2: Yeah, oh, him perfect. and Giannis
1: are on the Supermaxes. Chris is on. I think he's like just under the max. Yeah, and then Brook Lopez is two for forty-eight. <laughs> I love Damian that. Freaky hours, I like um, that. unseen freaky hours. That's what Giannis. That's what Giannis has. Um, Lillard is a thirty-seven percent three-point shooter. His offensive rating last year was one hundred and twenty-six. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Yeah. And then my biggest thing. This is one of the things that I I come back to a lot when we're talking about potential additions to the Milwaukee Bucks. Damian Lillard shot 91.4% on free throws last year. The Bucks as a as a team last year were like 65-70%. And yes, I know that Giannis has a lot to do with that, but Damian Lillard can now offset that. Um Drew Holiday was a good free throw shooter. He was in the upper 70s kind of area. Damian Lillard is with Chris Middleton in the upper eighties, low 90s. That is huge. Yep. That's, that's going to be some aspect of this that's not going to be talked about a lot is Damian Lillard being a 90% free-throw shooter. Okay. Last thing before we talk about how this affects the Bucks and Giannis. Put some respect on John Horst for essentially turning Greg Monroe into Damian Lillard. Please. The bring Milwaukee it down, Tyler. Bucks signed Greg Monroe... Earn him into Eric Bledsoe, turn yeah. Eric Bledsoe into Drew Holiday, and have now turned Drew Holiday into Damian Lillard.
2: <laughs> Greg Monroe equals Damian Lillard. Tell me, 2K isn't realistic now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Ready, said, crown that man. Put some respect
2: on John
1: Horst. Let's go. Three big check marks for John Horst to go from Greg Monroe to Bledsoe to Drew to Damian Lillard.
2: Reggie, when you use that with your buddies later this week, make sure you tell them that you heard it here first.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to put a graphic together for that, because that is some next-level shit to go from Greg Monroe to Damian Lillard in yeah, dude. three steps.
2: Yeah, he literally just won GM of the year. GM like, of the year. Right yeah. now. The season yep. didn't even start.
1: <laughs> uh, Brett said, I remember being hyped for that move. I was excited that somebody that was hyped coming to Milwaukee. Uh, he said I was excited when Carlos Delfino was hitting shots.
2: Dude, I love me some Carlos Delfino, baby. Carlos Delfino.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, we'll have to revisit our drafting our favorite Bucks by the jersey numbers. Barry asked for any updates on Aaron Jones. He is officially listed as questionable.
2: Yep, so is Jair, and so is Christian Watson.
1: Yep. All right. So now the next question is... Um bald head Charlie, huh? <laughs> uh, what does this mean for Giannis Tenacumbo? So what are your thoughts on this? Because I have a couple of very specific and also some very loud points that I would like to make.
2: So the thing that people don't talk about enough um is well, and everybody should know this, and the thing that's gonna be the biggest thing for Giannis is Dame is a closer, first and foremost. So in those late those those tight games where we need a big shot at the end. We obviously know that we used to give it to Chris Middleton. Now Chris Middleton's coming off a screen. So good luck with that. Uh, 100% he's staying in Milwaukee. If this move doesn't scream like Giannis, we love you. Please sign the dotted line. I don't know what else does. (laughs) Dame is a shooter. He's a big time shot maker. He's a closer. We all seen the highlight. Bye bye. I mean, dude, the guy.
1: That guy's on our team now.
2: Yeah, that guy's on our dude. I was watching Damien when you when you had a job drop your daughters off. I was like, bro, I gotta watch some Damian Lillard highlights now. And I'm like, I gotta watch this with Giannis running down the middle of the lane. That's not fair. So we have to watch
1: the All-Star game from last year when they played together.
2: I know, dude. Somebody posted a video and said that Giannis knew what he was doing.
1: <laughs> That's what Jimmy Butler wants him tampering for.
2: <laughs> he drafted him number one in the All-Star game. It's a clear tampering. <laughs> um but yeah, he's a he's a closer. Like I said, he's a big time shot maker, and he's an underrated playmaker in my opinion. So there's going to be a lot of a lot of alley oops this year. Um, I feel like Giannis is about to up his assist by at least one or two. Damian Lillard might get another notch on his assist number. Uh, Chris Middleton, Chris Middleton. You know, here's the thing about that: if they still want to do the Chris Middleton and Giannis pick and roll because they have such camaraderie together That's and so they good. understand where each other's going to be. Now you have Damian Lillard coming off ball. What are you doing with that? I mean, you're, you're, you're screwed. So what this means for Giannis is he gets to save his body a little bit. He doesn't always have to crash into five or six people. Cause you're staying home on Damian Lillard. Let's be honest. Yeah. And the guys, the guys can shoot from 30 feet away consistently. Yeah. So those two things, I mean, we talked last week, uh, Well, a couple of days ago, actually, we were talking about what this would mean because there was a report that the Raptors were, you know, leading the way or they were the favorites. And we were like, we keep talking about, oh, this means this for Giannis. This means this for Giannis. This means this for Dame. They're both going to help each other. It's going to be a beautiful marriage that we see. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to take a long time for them to to click. Uh, I think they're both just basketball guys and they both want one thing to win a championship. So I think that's what that means. Yeah,
1: so a handful of things here. Jeremy, yes, Jimmy Butler is mad salty, which is hilarious to me. Um, I didn't GM see respect anything. To what Giannis said all Giannis wants to stay is competitive. Horse said, Giannis, hold my beer. Be right back. We'll get your buddy who's under contract for four years. Yeah, that's the thing. We have this big three locked up now for at least two years. And then Giannis, I'm just going to say this now. If you had any hope that Giannis was not going to be back with the Bucks, he's going to be back with the Bucks. This this move solidifies that Giannis will be back in Milwaukee when his contract is up in two years. There's there's no shot that he's going anywhere. Um James said Dame time in Milwaukee. Yes, the two-man game will be unstoppable. I'm gonna say the three-man game is gonna be unstoppable. So we we always get the Batman and Robin comparison thing, and I saw somebody do Shaq and Kobe, which is you know, which is cool. And it's always Batman and Robin, but now. I really feel it's like it's like the Justice League. So stay with me on this, where Damian Lillard can be the Superman, Giannis can still be Batman, and then Chris Middleton to me is Aquaman, but he's like the badass Jason Momoa version, not like the weird comic book version.
2: I'm with that. What? Yeah, I saw that about Jimmy. L- <laughs> and then, he's and then he's mad as hell. First of all, he looks corny with that weird-ass hair.
1: Yeah, that's weird.
2: And then, well, I don't think he cares. He always has weird-ass hair. But then you got freaking Tyler Hero crying over there. Is Dame really Superman?
1: (laughs) Did you see the the tweet that I sent to you?
2: Oh, yeah, I've seen it. Oh, my God, bro.
1: (laughs) Is Tyler Hero really mad about a player saying that he was going to play with one
2: team to go to another one? (laughs) James, I'm glad that you're here. I really want to get your opinion on this since you're a a Celtics fan, how does this make you feel about two superstar players in Milwaukee? I mean, Damian Lillard feels like a perfect marriage for Giannis, honestly.
1: <laughs> Reggie said he's an island boy.
2: <laughs> Dude, he looks like that. That's a good call, Reggie. Oh, shit. Oh, now the. Internet. Okay.
1: One, I wanted to go back to one thing that uh, Bill said. Where did it go? Oh, here you go. He said I'm ranking this up there with Reggie White as far as Wisconsin sports goes. This this might be a dialogue, right? Like, this one, uh, I'm going to sit back and think about this. Whether it be signing or trades, like, it's up there with Reggie White. And if they win a championship, then it's, I'll put it up there even. And if they win, say, more than one championship or go to a championship and, and lose one and win one, like, it's going to be above that. But just on paper, right now, like, the day of the trade, it, to me, is already on the level of the CC sabathia trade. It's that big of a deal.
2: Oh, boy. I don't like being put on the spot with this. I usually like this. But <sighs> Reggie White, though, that's that's tough because, I mean, obviously I was not even born for most of it, but then mm-hmm. when I was like three years old for some of it. But the thing that I'm thinking is Reggie White and Brett Favre have turned the Packers franchise around to what me and you have grown up and known, right? So the Bucks have been contenders for five years now, and they've done a great job, you know, continuing to improve, continuing to remain championship favorites. I don't know if I put it up there, Reggie White, just because of the impact of. It's hard to turn a franchise around. Let's, I mean, and Reggie White is one of two best defensive players of all time, him and Lawrence Taylor, right? Maybe Deion Sanders, you throw in there, but um, I would say, uh, I would say it's in the top five.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, it's for sure in the top 5. Uh your dad said Middleton is not close to the young healthy Middleton. He doesn't really have to be. And he really, I mean if you think that, he still had 24-6 and 6 in the Miami series. He was, I'll say it, our best player in the Miami series. Giannis was hurt, so that's obviously a factor, but like I'll say it, as far as the series goes as a whole, Middleton was our best player.
2: And uh, I don't I don't want to do this because I don't want to kick him when he's down. But Drew Holiday really didn't answer the bell, and we needed to against Miami.
1: Even and, more so against Boston.
2: And and some of that was was on Bud with his rotations and stuff. And I get all that. But when you're in, uh, I don't want to bring pay into this. But when you're paid like a guy and you're talked about as a guy that plays defense, and Jimmy Butler's out there cooking you for 56, and we're blowing big four quarter leads, it's hard to hard to not forget that. You know what I mean?
1: I'm gonna pull up Drew's playoff stats, um, here. So and again, we're not trying to dog,
2: dog Drew because he did bring us a championship, and we love him for that. This is but rough, though. It's oh, so,
1: in the, the and again, we started this off by saying thank you to Drew Holiday, and we love him. Uh-huh. But this is this is the fact. This is the facts right here. Against Miami in 2023. His percentages, field goal percentage, 40. Three-point percentage, 28.6. Free throw percentage,
2: 69.2.
1: Against Boston the year before, his free throw percentage was great. He was a 95% free throw shooter. But field goal percentage, 36.4.
2: Three-point
1: percentage, 30.
2: Also not good.
1: Those were the two times in the playoffs since the championship that we needed him the absolute most. And unfortunately, we just didn't get what we needed from him. And he had a great regular season last year. A great regular season
2: last year. Star.
1: his his postseason, it just didn't translate. And that's when we needed it.
2: Yeah, that was was the weirdest part is we were going into that Miami series thinking like, man, there's no way that Gabe Vincent is giving – Drew Holiday fits and sure shit he was. Uh Gabe Vincent's a good player, but Drew Holiday is Drew Holiday, right? Right. He's supposed to be the guy that we were looking for. That uh and yeah, but Dad, he, he developed into a three-point shooter last year. He so. that was that was the exciting part going into the playoffs. As we were talking about maybe, you know, Chris still has time to get a little bit more healthy because Drew has now become more of a three point shooter. But that's the thing that we get with Dame. Dame average making almost four-and-a-half threes per game. The guy averaged 32-7. and seven. Yeah, I understand the Heat went on a run, but the run started with us. Yeah. So let's not forget that either, you know?
1: Chris Middleton's averages against the Heat last year, 46.5% on field goals, 40.6% on threes, 86.7% on free throws. And I stand by what I said.
2: And I, I, I'll say it again, like I said, Chris Middleton was not good defensively. And Drew Holl- Drew Holiday was a little bit better defensively, but Drew Holiday was still. And I, I and I agree, I agree that we had bad coaching. And I said some of that some of that stuff with Drew had to be had to deal with bad coaching. But he was still out there getting cooked by like everybody else against Jimmy Butler. Now it's hard to stop somebody when they get scoring, but don't you think it would be nice to have a guy that can match a guy who's scoring instantly? You know, and Giannis doesn't have to run into a wall of three people all the time. Try to set up the wall now. I dare you to leave Damian Lillard open. The guy literally had a 70-point game last year. We're getting a guy that can score 70.
1: That's exciting. Yeah.
2: Um, I, I agree, Dad, but, yeah. but Drew, Drew Holiday is supposed to be the guy he he's he's talked about as the best perimeter defender, right? And his job going into that is he believes that, okay. I got to guard this guy. I got to guard the best player, right? When you're a cornerback in football and you're going against, say, Justin Jefferson, Jair Alexander wants to guard Justin Jefferson because that's his job to stop him, right? Drew Holiday's job, he's known as a defender, is to stop other people from scoring. Yeah, He did not do that, whether you're on fire or not. Now we get a guy, Damian Lillard, and Tyler, to your point, like you've been saying, we still have two all-NBA defensive player of the year you know, caliber players behind Damian Lillard. And when you look at Dame's defensive rating, he's actually not that bad. He's slightly below average, but I'll take slightly below average. If you're a guy that can explode for 50. Yeah. We have two legit guys that can score 50 at any given moment.
1: Yeah. And another guy that can score 40.
2: (laughs) You got to get more spacing for Giannis. You got to score the ball, the defense. People are forgetting that we, we just hired a new defensive coach. Yep. Malik Beasley's a good defender. We could throw Pat Conanton at people. Uh we don't even know what Marjon Bo- Crowder. Crowder, We don't even know what going to be on defense. The guy's True. 6'6 and has elite feet. I like that potential. He also has yep. like a seven foot wingspan. I mean, there's just unlimited potential with this Bucks roster defensively. Yep. We don't know what kind of style of defense we're going to play. So before we even go crazy and talking about the defense, and Robin Lopez we brought back, that's a great point, Reggie. But before we start talking about, oh, I hope the defense survives, let's see what kind of style of defense we're playing because I'll tell you what, Steph Curry isn't a great defender, but I'll tell you what, they're sure as hell good at hiding him on defense, aren't they? True. They'll take his um, three-pointers and, in the playoffs.
1: Drop 22. I mean, we, we posted the, the updated, like, uh, projected starting lineup if they started Malik Beasley. The starting five for the Bucks points per game adds up to over 100. Just the starters.
2: That's so stupid, bro. <laughs> We're going to be averaging like 120,
1: um, easily. Uh, oh Damian God. Willard's offensive highlight or offense highly outweighs Drew's two way play, and that goes back to what you said. You said this is the thing you kept coming back to was the the Bucks gain more offensively than they lose defensively, and I do yep. agree with you.
2: I will die on that hill. I do not. And care. you
1: you said it when I brought up the the numbers. Um, is that um. He's not he's not a traffic cone defensively. Right. He's slightly below average. He's yeah. not Andre Drummond
2: defensively. Th- think of Grayson Allen. Grayson Allen got stops when we needed it yeah. last year. I would think Grayson Allen is a slightly below average defender. He still gets scored on, but you know what? Grayson Allen isn't pulling up from 38. I promise yeah. you that.
1: Yes, Pat, there is still only one ball, but when you increase the efficiency, that's where your numbers go up. Because Damian Lillard still averaged, like you brought it up already, he still averaged 7.3 assists last year to go with his 32 a game. So it it increases the efficiency. Bro, the thing that I keep coming back to with this, you get to use Chris Middleton as a spot-up
2: shooter. I know, that's so stupid. And it's not Drew Holiday
1: handling the ball and you know he wants to pass, but he can shoot a little bit. It's more like if Damian Lillard's inside half-court, we have to be face-to-face with him. Bro. And then you have one of the best screen and role players with him and you can camp fucking Chris Middleton in the other corner and you can't leave him.
2: So listen, bro. So listen, you just gave me an idea, right? So the Bucks are just getting past half court, right? You have to guard the guy who's dribbling the ball up. It also only takes one step for the other guy to get to the rim and dunk it. <laughs> so basically you're screwed.
1: <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing, Brett. If, if people are going to try to put the wall up on Giannis, you can put, Middleton dare you. and Lillard in the corners.
2: I dare you. I dare you to bring do the wall. I I dare you. Do the it's, wall. I dare you.
1: Oh man, that's yeah, that's gonna be nuts. Um, Chris Middleton I get to go on fire for twenty
2: straight. Yeah, and that's with Damian Lillard and Giannis. On the, you're done. You're you're cooked. <laughs> and we didn't even bring up. We didn't even bring up how Boston traded away Marcus Smart the same year that we get Damian Lillard and like. I want to dog Boston so bad because I I literally hate their fan base. I mean, James, you're not a bad guy, but all Boston fans are just d bags, in my opinion. It's
1: more it's more so the people that are actually in Boston, and yeah. I hate I hate that this is a fact. But Boston is one of the most racist cities in America. I'm not.
2: Yeah, they, they I'm not going to
1: dive super deep into that, but based on what I've seen, people say just being a sports fan yeah. to people not from Boston, it's. Really, I and mean, there's stories
2: from Torrey Hunter back when he was on the Twins. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah,
1: it's disappointing.
2: But you know, I want a dog. I want a dog. Boston. They gave 300 million dollars to a guy that can't dribble with his left hand. <laughs> you don't think that Dame's gonna be able to figure that out? Oh, make him go left.
1: Yeah, James First is, is a like Celtics fan. He doesn't even like the city of Boston. He said he's been there yeah, twice this, and he'll never go again.
2: And like I said, James, I'm not trying to come at you or anything like that, but. Most Boston fans, I mean, every interaction I've ever had with, like, a, a Celtics fan, they're just terrible people. Um, But yeah. losing Marcus Smart, a guy that you know would take that assignment, and I'm not and – like, and Derek White's a good player. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon's a good player, obviously. I really like Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, Christoph Porzingis, that's a great pickup for you guys. But Kristaps Porzingis is not guarding Giannis. But Giannis can guard Kristaps Porzingis. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like – Dame may get scored on by Derek White a few times, but I promise you I would bet a million dollars on Damian Lillard to score more points than Derek White. Yeah. yeah, Smart Smart was the heart of your team, dude. I still can't believe you guys traded him away.
1: Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of wild. I wanted to go back to one of Reggie's questions. He asked, how do we feel about the new coach? We touched on this a little bit when they first hired him. Um, uh-huh. He also said, I believe the assistant is Dame's old coach. What he did we is. talk about? Terry Stotts. Former Milwaukee Bucks head coach was Portland's head coach for a good chunk of Damian Lillard's time in Portland. Terry Stotts is known as an offensive head coach or an offensive coach. He is the Bucks associate head coach. So he's like basically the number two to Adrian Griffin. A beautiful pairing, in my opinion, to hire a defensive minded players coach. That's the thing with Adrian Griffin is he's a player coach. He doesn't do the like, Mike Budenholzer was kind of a, a balanced guy where he would have Giannis playing 32, 33 minutes a game. Adrian Griffin uses his starters more like 34, 35, 36 minutes a game.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's the thing. And Damian Lillard is another minutes guy, which is part of why his average is so high. But having having Damian Lillard and Giannis and Middleton on the floor at 35 minutes a game, I don't I don't see how any team stops that defensively. The only way that you're going to stop the Bucks defensively is if they beat themselves by having a bad shooting night or making poor shot selection.
2: Or turning the ball over. Or turnovers. Yeah, that's – yeah. But, you know, we we got – it's we have a young bench, but we don't have young starters. We have guys who are champions, guys who have won MVPs, Defense Player of the Year's, scoring mm-hmm. titles, guys that have won three-point contests, right? Tons guys of all-star games. Guys that could dunk on your entire city. So, I mean, we got everything in our starting lineup. and Damian Lillard actually said that Terry Stotts is his favorite coach ever. So that Mm -hmm. is just – that's a beautiful thing. Uh, We were talking about that the other day. Like, man, Dame getting back with Terry Stotts, that would be a great thing. He knows how to handle Dame. He knows how he practices. Like, he knows what he needs because he had – that was his star. And I really want everybody to just take a second. I want you to go watch a Damian Lillard highlight reel. And then I want you to sit back and think about that guy being the second best player on your team. (laughs) Let that sink in. (laughs) Please, please. Let
1: me ask you this. Do you think, I don't think this is the case, but do you think that it's possible that John Horst was playing such an advanced level of chess when he brought in Terry Stotts that he knew he was going to try to make this move? (sighs) Do you think he had that much foresight?
2: So they were, I think the thing about Horst, and I'm making assumptions here, is he's kind of like Goot in a way where they want to be in on every deal, right? So yeah, they're always going to try to, to you know send a feeler out there, hey, what do you think it's going to take? And if they like what they return, I mean, I think that's a good thing. I think Terry Stotts is just a guy that's been in the league for a long time and he's respected around the NBA. And like you said, I think the marriage between an offensive guy and a defensive guy was a thing that definitely needed to happen. Yeah, that's probably the more... After they after they failed on Beal, because mm-hmm. they were trying to go for Beal. Yep. After they failed on Beal, I still think that Horse knew that he wanted to get a guy that was offensive minded mm-hmm. because, like the coaching, offensive and defensive, I think he wanted to pair an offensive superstar with Giannis, who is a two way superstar, and can affect the game mm-hmm. in all ways, right? So I really do think that maybe he it crossed his mind. I'm not saying it's out of the realm of possibility.
1: That's one of the things I'd like to ask about it. Um Bill thinks it was talked about behind the scenes. Nobody expected this or saw this coming. That's the best part. I I don't know. I had a suspicion that this was possible. I wrote an article about it last week actually that there was it was reported by, shoot, I forgot who reported it. Uh I don't remember who reported it. Um it might have been Mark Spears, but it was reported that there was a yeah, it was Mark Spears. Um it was reported there was a mystery team in the Eastern conference who was in contact with Damian Lillard. And my thought was the only two teams that it could be. Yeah. Thank you, Josh. Um, The only two teams that it could be were the bucks and the 76ers. Those were really the only two teams that made sense other than obviously Miami, because it wasn't going to be Boston because they were already mentioned by name and Toronto just didn't make sense. Toronto was basically Portland of the Eastern conference. Um, and yeah. yeah, my projection for the trade was really close too. we just didn't, I just didn't have it as a three team deal. And I had Marshawn Beauchamp included in this. So to go back to what Reggie said, crown John horse, he got this deal done without having to give up Marshawn Beauchamp.
2: Bro, he That's just a got a top duggies. 75 player. We traded for a top 75 player in NBA history. Well, a lot of players that played in the NBA. He's one of the 75 best players in NBA history. The guy pulls up from 50. The guy drops 50, whatever he wants. I, dude, I seriously think we're about to see so many lobs to Giannis because people are because Dame's gonna be on fire one night, right? And people are gonna the defense is gonna be pushing up. Chris Middleton's gonna start cooking, bro. Steve, we said that too. Yes, and we got somebody with us. People are gonna be pushing up, trying to take away the three ball because Damian Lillard's gonna be cooking. And Giannis is just going to be right there, and he's going to have to do a 10-inch a vertical to get all these damn lobs. Him and Brooke Lopez, really. Lopez has been great at at leaking to the to the rim lately.
1: Yeah, that pick and roll is going to be wild. And Lillard Dude. is one of the best in the NBA at the pick and roll ball handling. And this, and I keep coming back to this, but it, Chris Milton can be a spot-up shooter. Going into last season, he was a 46% three-point shooter on catch and shoot. Oh! <laughs> You fucking serious? Are you going to let Chris Middleton be a catch and shoot player at 46% on threes?
2: Bro, he's about to come off of every single screen ever created the elevator screen, the double screen, the Draymond Green moving screen. Bro, I got. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I put it, put this to you. This is going to be a really early, bold prediction. We're going to do our Bucks primer soon, but. yeah, yeah. I can see Chris Middleton having a Clay Thompson-like quarter where he scores like 20-something points in a quarter without dribbling the ball.
2: I can see that. I can easily see that. With Giannis
1: and Lillard handling
2: the ball. I can see that. Bro, you know what we didn't even bring up, now that I'm thinking about Chris Middleton, is imagine Giannis running down the floor. Everybody's going to see it, right? And then Damian Lillard's just standing there like, hey, and Chris Middleton does a freaking touchdown pass to Damian Lillard for a oh, three. fuck yeah. That's gonna happen.
1: Um, Bill said ESPN said last night the Raptors were the leaders to sign Dame, which it just never made sense to me. Lillard's big thing was that he wanted to go to a contender. The Raptors are not a contender. The Raptors not are a play-in teams.
2: team. Yeah, they're they're uh, yeah, they they're what the Bucks were when we had Brandon Jennings. The Bucks in yeah. 60s.
1: Um, yeah, Reggie said who you're gonna guard. Um might be one of the best Bucks teams I've ever seen. On paper. It's the best Bucks team ever. On
2: paper. Bro. Think about the duos, right? The best duo in Bucks history. It's Oscar is still Oscar Robertson and Kareem. Yep. Damian Lillard and Giannis could have seed that.
1: I think they do because and this is strictly as Bucks. Giannis is ahead of Kareem as a Buck. Yep. And Damian Lillard. I mean, you can you can put Damian Lillard and Oscar head to head.
2: It'd be close.
1: Yeah. So I, I think it is on paper. Uh, Steve said, maybe it's not the time to ask, but other ancillary moves to be made. I think it's going to be signing a backup point guard. Probably campaign is going to be the leading candidate.
2: I'd be good with campaign as a backup.
1: Yeah. Oh, all right.
2: Anything else? Uh Bucks basketball, baby. Milwaukee, oh, dude, wow, I can't wait, boy. Can't so,
1: a handful of things here. As just checking to see if there was anything else coming out about this, um, Toronto simply wouldn't dangle OG Ananobi in a trade for Dame.
2: Really, that was your downfall, was OG Ananobi?
1: He's a good defender, but really, really. But again, if you trade OGN and Obi Grady Dick and a handful of picks, you, you're still just—it's Damian Lloyd and Pascal Siakam.
2: I still can't get over that ESPN headline, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Portland wants oh. <Mucks> Dick. <laughs>
1: I can't.
2: <laughs> you can't not. Re- you can't read that and not laugh, bro. <laughs> That's too good.
1: Um. Steve said of those Toronto fans, also Jets fans. Maybe. Um, dang it, I forgot what I was going to say now. Oh, Brian Windhorst, what, just three, four days ago, saying that he doesn't think that Giannis's next uh, contract is going to be in Milwaukee?
2: Yeah, I,
1: I quoted that, and I uh, quoted it at Old Takes Exposed for the freezing cold takes, because, uh yeah, that's not happening.
2: Yeah, he's staying.
1: Yeah, his next contract is going to be in Milwaukee. It. It does so many things opportunistically for the Bucks offense. It's going to be so fun. Um, Bill said it's so early to be stoked about Bucks basketball. It's really not. We're I mean, the, the season starts a month from tomorrow. So it's really not super crazy early to be talking about it. We're not even week four of the Packers season. The Brewers are in the playoffs. I love this. It is a fantastic time to be a Wisconsin sports fan.
2: Oh, man.
1: So, I mean, we talked about it, Jake, a little bit. But in the last four days, the Packers were down 17 to nothing, came back to win 18-17. Yeah, last man. night, the Milwaukee Brewers clinched the NL Central, and, and the today the Milwaukee Bucks get Damian Lillard. What the fuck? <laughs> and then tomorrow,
2: the Packers are on primetime versus the Lions. And they Dude, if the Packers win tomorrow,
1: thing. it's going to be a great four days, five days for Wisconsin.
2: I'm just putting this out there because – Hey, if Aaron Jones plays, we're definitely winning. Um, yeah. I'm just Registered gonna put this out there,
1: the force, I feel you.
2: Um, if if the Packers win tomorrow and say they just dominate tomorrow, like just just for for sake of uh, conversation, if the Packers win tomorrow, this could go down as one of the best sports weeks in Wisconsin history. I was
1: thinking it. I wasn't gonna say it. but I was thinking it.
2: I I'll think it. And I'll say it. I don't even give a shit, bro. Like this could let legit me, be one of the best. Let me zoom it out week.
1: even more. If we go in a scenario where let's say 20 years ago or 20 years from now, we're looking at this week slash month, this is going to take a lot of, this is going to be a little homerist and a little bit of like dream world, but let's say the Brewers win the world series. Yeah. Let's say the Packers get another, a third hall of fame quarterback in a row. And let's say the bucks win the championship off of this. (laughs) This could be like, I mean, from starting with 2018 with the Brewers being in the playoffs five of the last six years, the Bucks winning a championship, potentially multiple championships, and the Packers going from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love, who let's just say he wins one Super Bowl like the two before him. And we're talking bro, about bro. like six championships in 10 years in Wisconsin.
2: Bro, we didn't even bring up the, the fact that Luke Fickle is just starting to cook. at Oh,
1: two, damn.
2: Didn't even bring that up, dude. Like he's—he literally is just starting to cook. Like twenty oh twenty,
1: as far as Wisconsin sports go, could be.
2: Man, I'll tell you what—we're in a lot better position in Chicago, bro. I
1: was—that's where I was going next. <laughs> <laughs> so to coincide with with everything coming up, Wisconsin right now is the Cubs lost the division at a chance of the division. They made the the Brewers magic number zero by losing a game and it's um it's hilarious because it happened on a routine fly ball which i wouldn't if i was like as a brewers fan i feel bad for say a because i'm sure people are probably not saying kind things about him so i feel for him as a person but not for the Cubs cub the team and definitely don't feel bad for chicago cubs fans at all because they were obnoxious as fuck when they went on a winning stream a winning streak against a bunch of bad teams. Ooh, we're going to be in first place by Friday. We're going to be in first place by Monday. Can't wait till the Brewers and Cubs play, and the Cubs take first place away from the Brewers. Can't wait till the Cubs are in first place by September 1st, and none of those things fucking happen. The Cubs never got to first place. Today is September 27th, the 27th day straight, that the Cubs are still not in first place by September 1st. And now they are barely ahead of the fucking Miami Marlins.
2: You want to know what, though? I know why they're so angry. Can you imagine watching Jordan, or Jordan, Justin Fields is your quarterback on Sunday, who by the way has a 1.5 QBR inside the pocket, which is one of the most atrocious things I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Can you imagine watching Justin Fields try to be your quarterback every Sunday? And then you have to watch your outfielder drop a fly ball. So your rival wins this wins the, the division. I'd be pissed off too.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. The Bears are 0-3 <laughs> after they talked all shit, all summer, about, ooh, Aaron Rodgers is gone. Packers are going to be 0-16. Yeah, like,
2: Rodgers isn't here to save
1: you anymore. Ugh. Bears are going
2: 11-6. I cannot believe that a Bears fan looked me in my eyes and told me they were going to win 11 games. That guy looked me directly in my eyes. Said, I could. I think we can go 11-6. and I was thinking, you better think again.
1: <laughs> and then you got Adam Rank. Adam Rank gets paid to be on television to talk about sports. And he said, oh, the Bears my are all God. 11 six.
2: <sighs>
1: that Reggie guy. Go ahead.
2: I'm, I'm sorry. Just about Adam Rank real quick. First of all, one of the dumbest people on television. I'm not even going to pull words right now. But um, he literally calls himself a Bears homer. There's levels to being a homer, and sure. then there's just being flat out just a dumbass. Dumb. Like I'm just gonna Good call dumb. it what it is. He's a dumbass. Um what I who do I want, Cubs or Marlins? Personally, I don't give a shit who, who we play if we had to play somebody. Yep. But I just think it would be hilarious for the Marlins to make it over the Cubs, just because of how they talked.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that to, to me, the Cubs missing the playoffs would be the most satisfying thing. <laughs> Um, Bill said zero social media presence from Chicago fans today, which is hilarious. All right. So this is normally the point at which we start talking about the Badgers. So we're going to have to
3: put Mikey on hold for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts. So you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus,
1: For a little bit. We are gonna rip through these brewer games pretty quickly yeah. over this last week. Um, mm-hmm. just because we did want to dedicate more time to the Damian Lillard news because that's obviously the biggest thing going on right now. Mm-hmm. But Jake, give me your power pair from the, the last week of Brewers Games.
2: So for my power power hitter, I have uh William Contreras. Obviously, we've talked about this guy all season. What a great trade. Uh there's actually a long uh trade in Brewer's history that leads to William Contreras. So yeah. if you haven't seen that, go check that out. Um, He was 10-24 this last week, three runs, three doubles, two RBIs, and three walks. That's a, a 4.17 batting average. <laughs> just stupid. Uh, a 4.81 on base percentage, uh, 5.42 slug, and a 1.23 OPS. Uh, for my power pitcher, I had Wade Miley, six innings pitch, three hits, zero earned runs, two walks, and seven Ks. That's a 0.83 whip and a zero earned runs um and then for my underrated performer i went with blake perkins he was four 13 just came off the injury report and just started dominating um 13 five runs two doubles one home run two rbis three walks and only two strikeouts for the guy oh. uh it's a 308 average 438 on base percentage a 692 slugging percentage which is okay, crazy blake. For blake perkins yeah that's what i was thinking and then uh 1.13 ops so blake was raking
1: so I went with Christian Yelich as my power position player. He batted 353 with a 421 on base percentage and an 824 slugging percentage, which combined for a 1.245 OPS. He had the two home runs, had five RBI, and scored six runs himself. I'm going to skip my power pitcher because I'm going to come back to it in a minute. But for my underrated performer, I went with Josh Donaldson. His average was low, which is what makes him underrated because he did have two home runs and six RBI in five games. Now my power pitcher, I went with I went with something kind of different. I didn't pick a player. I picked ground balls. Oh. So the Brewers, this is such an underrated thing. The Brewers have so many guys that can come in either as starters or in any given situation in a game and get you a ground ball that ends your opponent's chances of scoring at any moment. You can go from a point where you have first and second with nobody out and all of a sudden, boom, you have a guy on third base with two outs and then you're just getting another ground out to end the inning. And three pitches later, you can go from two on with nobody out to the inning being over. So I kind of just went with just a collective thing that the Brewers have these guys. Guys like, you already mentioned Wade Miley, guys like Adrian Hauser, guys like Julio Tehran. Yeah, who's was going to be a potentially underrated performer coming down to the bullpen for the Brewers in the playoffs if he makes the playoff roster. Just having guys like that. It's important.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. Even Andrew Chafin in the last week. He wasn't bad. Like, I don't have he's, any complaints been, about him.
2: He's been getting better. He's yeah. to fit Into his role a little bit better.
1: Yeah. So let's just rip through these recaps real quick. Um, We have two Cardinals games. And then three Marlins and then another Cardinals game. But let's just uh, – let's try to run through these real quick.
2: Okay, so the first Cardinals game, uh, I have written down that seven of ten players got a hit. So that's uh, outstanding. Seven of ten players that played got a hit. Uh, Brewers won this game 8-2. to two. Hauser, Wilson, and Piamps and Bukakis pitched in this game. Uh, six Bukakis. innings for Hauser. Uh,
1: yeah,
2: uh, four four hits, one earned a run, two walks, and four Ks. Just an outstanding outing. And I want to pat ourselves on the back. I have this written down. We talked about how Adrian Hauser is a very underrated pitcher. And then immediately that that same day. Um, See you later, Bill. Take care. Um, he gives us six innings and one-run ball. So that's tremendous stuff. Uh, Josh Donaldson uh, decided to kill a baseball. So good for him. Uh, Tyron Taylor had two home runs in this game. Got him to nine on the year. Donaldson's up to 12. Donaldson. Canada and Taylor all had two-out RBIs. So seven of our eight runs that we scored in this game were two-out RBIs.
3: Nice and we are three ball. for
2: five of runners in scoring position. So that's the name of the game for the Brewers. Hit with runners on and let the pitching dominate.
1: Uh, they called Josh Donaldson the bringer of rain. He literally brought the rain in the bottom of the eighth and ninth inning.
2: The bringer of rain. That sounds so badass.
1: <laughs> um, my takeaways from this one was Adrian Hauser gave up a run on his first five pitches of the game versus two batters, then pitched six scoreless innings after that.
2: (laughs) He finished with
1: six innings pitched, four hits, two walks, four strikeouts, only the one earned run. Um, This is impressive to me because he only had first pitch strikes to 11 of 23 batters that he faced. Wow. So less than half, and he still did well. Uh, This is where Julio Tehran was available on the bullpen. He was back off the injured list. And then... This was Brewers doing well against another left-handed pitcher. They put five hits in a walk and four earned runs on a left-handed starter in five innings. So that's encouraging to see the Brewers doing well against lefties.
2: Yep, love it. All right, what about Cardinals game four? So Brewers dominated this one. They won 6-0. to Uh, Wade Miley, who was my power pitcher, started this game. Six innings, three hits, zero earned runs. Had two walks and seven strikeouts from Wade Miley is actually kind of an insane high number since he's really a a ground ball guy. Um, Tayron pitching this one. He looked tremendous. Uh, And this one, RBI is from Caratini, since I always like to say his name wrong. Uh, Monasterio, Perkins, and Fre- uh, Freelick. I just, I really like Frelick better. I think that sounds better, but Freelick, um, Caratini and Perkins at home runs. Uh, Caratini's home runs, I love, I love watching him hit home runs for some reason. His home runs look cool. I feel
1: like his swing, like that'll be the swing. He's got a smooth swing. Yeah.
2: He just, yeah. He just, and he just holds it like a statue for a couple seconds. It's like, yeah, he knows he got that one. Uh, he's up to seven. Perkins is up to three. Three RBIs for Caratini gets him up to 25. Monasterio 27, Perkins 17, Uh, Freelick is up to 23, and the Brewers four for nine uh, with runners in scoring position. So they ended this series really hitting the hell out of the ball, runners in scoring position.
1: I like that. Um, So Wade Miley, the batters that he faced per inning goes like this. Four, five, three, four, three, four. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's amazing work by Wade Miley to go yeah. with that. Yeah. Um, Reggie asked, do you think Weimer's coming back up? I'll say only if Garrett Mitchell isn't cleared. Which I the agree. last threshold that Garrett Mitchell needs to do is being able to be cleared for headfirst dives.
2: I will say that Garrett Mitchell was struggling in, in AAA. He was only hitting 180. So he was that's... rusty.
1: Donaldson was doing the same I thing.
2: I know, I know. But Um, people are going to think about that. It's, yeah,
1: it's, if Garrett Mitchell's healthy, it's Garrett Mitchell. I agree. And Sal Freelick hasn't done anything to not hold his spot. Same with Blake Perkins. So I'm going to lean, honestly, I'm going to lean probably not. I agree. But he did get plenty of big league experience this year, which is invaluable. And he'll be on the opening day roster next year. Yes, he will. 1,000%. Um, So the Brewers put up a four spot in an inning, three straight days against the Cardinals. (laughs)
2: Um,
1: This was the sixth Wade Miley start of the season with five innings pitched and zero earned runs. Love that. Julio Tehran, he did get some low stress work in. He got to pitch the eighth and the ninth. He had a one, two, three, eighth inning. And then the ninth inning, he gave up a one out single and then immediately got a double play to end the game. Love that. So that was cool. You know what you're gonna love even more? So this was a four-game series, right? hmm How many extra base hits do you think the car the Brewers put on the Cardinals?
2: Uh a lot. It's a lot. Twelve? 12 Fifteen?
1: Twenty? Nineteen. Damn. Nineteen extra base hits in four games. You want to know what's worse? Is the Brewers got shut out one to zero in the first game? They had one that day. They put 18 extra base hits on the Cardinals in games two, three, and four. That's six a
2: game. <laughs> My God.
1: <laughs> 18 extra base hits in three days.
2: Well, I'll tell you what, it could
1: and wanted to win last night. <laughs> right. <laughs> Jesus. All right. What about the first game in Miami?
2: Well, this one was fun. This one uh, was nuts.
1: This one was wild.
2: Yeah, the Brewers ended up winning this one uh 16 to 1. So, yeah, that's not a typo. Um <laughs> uh Corbin Burns, 5 innings, 2 hits, 0 earned runs, 2 walks, 6 Ks. Uh Trevor McGill, uh Andrew Chafin, Wilson uh, pitched in this game, and then the best pitcher of the game was uh, Rowdy Teles. Um, yep. We have some stats on that. I'll leave that for my boy Tyler, future uh,
1: reliever of the year.
2: Yeah, right. <laughs> um, the Brewers' pitching staff is is crazy. Uh, they added; they're so good. the The pitching staff is so good that they could just add Rowdy les out there, which is so stupid. Um, Andy <laughs> gets a strikeout. Uh, that John was Donaldson. the
1: best part. Even That's, the batter was smiling. Like Dude, at that point, like it's just, it's just baseball. Bro. Like you're just playing in a playground at that point.
2: Sai Rowdy. <laughs> I love that. At,
1: at that point, it's just about the fun baseball. And Rowdy was getting a strikeout was just amazing. The vibes so, were immaculate.
2: So Donaldson, Santana, Yelich, Canna, Perkins, Contreras, Terang, and Freelick all got RBIs. Holy shit! Donaldson got three. He's up to twenty-five. Carlos Santana got two. He's up to seventy-eight. Christian Yelich. Uh, had five, all two out RBIs, by the way. Nice. Uh, he's up to 75. Mark Canna got two. He's up to 61. Blake Perkins is up to 18. Contreras, 75. Terang, 34. And Frelick is up to 24. Donaldson destroyed another baseball in this game. Christian Yelich destroyed two baseballs in this game. He's up to 19 home runs on the year. The Brewers were 10 for 17 or runners in scoring position. It's still left eight on base.
1: Damn. They could have scored 24. Holy shit. Already said we won the trade deadline like it's crazy. That's and that goes back to what we were saying about Wisconsin GMs. Literally all three of them. And you can throw Chris McIntosh in there as athletic director. I mean, they're all on the way up. All of them.
2: Yeah. We all we have bright futures in every sport.
1: A thousand percent. Um, I was looking to see if I had any of the numbers on any of the home runs. Um Mark Canna actually just missed a home run, too. He hit a ball off the top of the wall, one of his hits. But the main things with this one, Christian Yelich was back three for four and a walk, scored four runs, and drove in five, like you said. Um, Josh Donaldson, that was his third home run in ten games, two of the three against left-handed pitching. Love that. Every hitter in the lineup had a hit in the second inning.
2: Yep.
1: Every single one of them. That's nine dudes that had hits in one inning. Um, the Brewers, this is a patience thing. And if I had to choose between playing a team that has a really good pitching staff and a team that has a really good offense, I'd rather play the team with a good pitching staff because the Brewers do well to neutralize it often. Not always. No, I'm not saying always. I'm not saying the Brewers are always good at getting the pitcher out of the game, but the first time through the order for the Brewers, the first nine batters, they drew four walks. Damn. And if you brought in Christian Yelich in his second at-bat, that's five of the first 10 batters that the Brewers sent to the plate drew walks in this game.
2: Mm.
1: So the six Corbin Burns losses that have happened this year, he had 11 runs total. This game he had 12 runs of support in one inning.
2: <laughs> oh, 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 that's the one. This was also was the... <laughs>
1: This is also the most runs in an inning in 2023. They had put up seven a few times. Now they had 12. It's also the second most runs in an inning in franchise history by one. Oh! And you brought up Blake Perkins as your underrated performer. You had two doubles and a walk and good plate discipline in this game. Um, yeah,
2: I'm not scared of the Dodgers. Right,
1: you said it would be safe to not be scared of the Dodgers. I, like I feel alright. Honestly, if, you, if the Brewers were to match up with the Dodgers in a potential series, if they can just... Not not control but contain betts and Freeman, I think the Brewers would have a great chance. I agree. Um last thing, Cy Rowdy, Rowdy Telez, future reliever of the year. His <laughs> this is wild to me. Rowdy Telez became the first position player in MLB history to finish years. a game in which their team clinched the playoffs.
2: That's so dumb. <laughs> so dumb.
1: That's wild to me.
2: That's so dumb.
1: Years. So Why?
2: wild. Why, bro? <laughs> and you know what? I just want to say. I just want to say. We were bringing up for weeks. If something's gonna happen, it's gonna happen in baseball. Baseball's been around forever. Rody Teles being the first one ever. That's baseball.
1: I'm glad you brought that up. All right. What about game two of the Marlins series?
2: So, it started our little skid, but honestly, uh, me and you were kind of on the same page and know we don't want them to lose, but we were kind of hoping for more of Marlins' wins and Cubs' losses because we want to laugh at Chicago fans because we we're already guaranteed the playoffs, right? After the 16 yeah. to 1 game. Yep. So, Brandon Woodruff started this game five innings pitch, six hits, four earned runs, two walks, six outings. Not his best outing, but. He's due for a dud every 20 starts. Um, Hobie <laughs> Milner, uh, one and one-third, zero hits, zero runs, one walk, one K. Uh, Uribe and Piams gave two-thirds of an inning. Uh, they combined for two hits, one earned run, two walks, and a K. Uh, Piamps was really the majority of those stats. Uribe was tremendous. He had uh, two of those strikeouts. And Andrew Chafin had uh, a third of an inning pitch, zeros across the board. Contreras had an RBI. Santana. Got his 300th homer of the year uh, of his career of the year. Oh, my God, imagine that. Of his career, uh, three RBIs. He's up to 81 now. He's up to 22 RBIs. The Brewers are two for six in runners in scoring position. Uh, There's also another milestone in this one, but i like to leave some stats for you.
1: I got some nice stats here. Um, So my main takeaways this one were really the Marlins were looking to swing early in this game. And that was kind of what caught up to Woodruff. Like we brought up actually Woodruff's last start. He was doing a fantastic job of getting ahead of hitters. Um, the last time he played the Marlins. So the Marlins could be looking for a little revenge there was he was first pitch strikes to 26 out of 33 batters.
2: Oh, so dude. the Marlins
1: made an adjustment to that and they were swinging early. Um, the strike zone was weird. So I'm, you know, I'm not going to use it as an excuse, but I'll say it was a factor. Um, and it was three straight left-handed pitchers for Miami. So they, they threw all their left-handed pitchers of the Brewers in this game. But the big thing, Carlos Santana got his 300th career home run. Yep. got his 1,500th career hit. So a couple of milestones for those guys. Great to see both actually really great dudes on top of being good baseball players. So definitely, definitely, definitely happy for those two. I agree. All right. Game three.
2: So, game three, uh, Freddie Peralta uh, didn't have a great outing. Uh, three innings pitch, nine hits, four earned runs, four Ks. I'm not worried. People are going to be worried. People are already worried. I I look at what people say. Please don't be worried. We're going to be fine. Our top three are, are dominant.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, Julio Tehran came in this one, three innings, six, six hits, two walks, two earned runs, and two Ks. Uh, people were talking about that, too. Listen, he's just getting his feet under him. He's not gonna have zero earned runs every outing.
1: Okay, two earned, two earned runs in three innings pitched doesn't bad yeah. either. But like I saw people look great. But like, if you were to say pitch as a starter and pitch two more innings of scoreless baseball, and he gave you five innings with two earned runs, that's fine.
2: Exactly. Um, we got RBIs from Taylor. Thirty. He's up to thirty-one now. Contreras uh, got a double. He's up to thirty-seven. Terran got his 26th stolen base of the season. And the Brewers ended one for seven runners in scoring position. So, like I always say, man, got to hit with runners in scoring position and just let the the pitching uh, take you to the homeland.
1: So, this was my thing with bringing up um, Brewers being able to get ground balls as my power pitching. So, the fourth inning, Julio Tehran came in, gave up a single, and then immediately got a ground ball double play. In the seventh inning, um, the, the Marlins started off single, single, single. So they literally loaded the bases on singles with nobody out. And it was followed with a ground into a double play and a ground out. No runs. Mm-hmm. So it's very beneficial that the Brewers have a ton of guys that can excel at getting ground balls. It's a really underrated skill.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So... Next thing was, there are reports that Freddie Peralta was sick, like flu-like symptoms, sick, uh, the day before his start. He did say that he may not have been 100%, but that he was okay to pitch. So I kind of felt like okay. Freddie didn't want to use it as an excuse, but again, it could have been a factor. Um, <laughs> how long until Miller and Dame have a commercial about Dame slash Miller time?
2: That's actually not a bad idea.
1: We'll see. Screenshot and send it to him. Uh, And then the last thing that I'll say on on the road trip is, all things considered, losing two road games to the team that's chasing your rival while also having the opportunity to clinch the NL Central at home is not the worst thing ever. I agree. Um, The Brewers had runners in seven of nine innings, and they had two runners on in three of nine innings. So still putting guys on, just need just one more hit per inning, and then you're looking at some runs, but just not how the way it happened. All right. Last night's game.
2: So Adrian Hauser started this one, five innings pitched, uh, three hits, two walks, two earned runs, and five Ks. I mean, that's not a bad start from your fifth starter at all. Um, Hobie Milner counted this one, two thirds of an inning pitch, Uh, one hit, uh, zero earned runs, one K. Bryce Wilson gave us an inning and two thirds. So that's, again, love that. I'm really starting to love Bryce Wilson. I mean, he's he's. Almost unreplaceable in my opinion for his ability to just come in in high leverage situations to give you multiple innings of work. Basically, yeah. Uh, zero hits, one walk, zero earned runs, two Ks. Uh, Andrew Chafin, two two thirds of an inning, one hit, one walk, one K. Uh, Colin Ray got in this one, one inning pitch, zero hits, zero runs, two Ks. Uh, Santana got an RBI. He's up to eighty two now, so he's seven away from a career high for him. Um, Carlos uh, Carlos Santana got his thirty second double. Uh, Willie Domus got up to 22 doubles and the Brewers ended one for six runners in scoring position. So the last two days, they are two for 13. So they need to improve on that going into the playoffs.
1: Let's say just get it out of the system. Yeah. Um The Brewers went one, two, three, five times in this game, including the final four innings. That's that's just the thing that's really just got to change is the one, two, three innings, honestly, is my biggest thing. Um I like the way that Craig Console has set up a lineup lately where he's putting Sal Freelick at the five spot and then Willie Adamas at six and Josh Donaldson at seven. To me, that's almost like a mini lineup reset in the middle of your order. Because you could be in a position where you could have Sal Freelick as your leadoff hitter, Willie Adamas as your two, and Josh Donaldson as your three-hole hitter, but you get to put them as your five, six, seven. So I actually I actually really like that um as their as their lineup setup. Uh, William Contreras was just robbing strikes behind home plate. Just a great job by the Brewers catching lab to, to make him into such a good pitch framer. My bold prediction was that he was going to be top 24. He's going to be more like top five. So I might not have gone bold enough, but he's going to make such an insane leap in pitch framing from last year to this year. Um, William Contreras on him. He did also extend his hit streak to 13 games. Um, it's his third double-digit hit streak of this season, and then Colin Ray, like Jake said, got a little bit of bullpen experience. Now, as the Brewers clinched the NL Central last night, what I'm going to say is the Brewers are going to be lining up their starters for the playoffs, which does start um, Tuesday, which does start on Tuesday. So, mm-hmm. looking at what's next, um, the Brewers have. Two more against St. Louis, three against Chicago, and then game one of the playoffs is going to happen between now and next Wednesday when we have our next show. But looking at Brewers as NL Central champs, now that they have the division wrapped up, I think it was Sean that was saying earlier that he was concerned that the Brewers might go on a slide heading into the playoffs. I think it's much more important for the Brewers to be set up how they want to have everything set up. So, for example, today Brian Anderson is playing third base. I think you're going to see a lot of Blake Perkins I think you're going to see a lot of Christian Yelich, Mark Canna, probably Carlos Santana getting a little bit of rest. Not too much that they go in rusty, but with there being six days before the first playoff game, I mm-hmm. think you're look at those guys may be getting two or three days off between now and then. Now, the next thing is going into this. I expect uh, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta to, to all be capped at probably four innings. Their I
2: agree
1: with um, they have the guys like Colin Ray and Julio Tehran and Bryce Wilson that they can piggyback onto those guys. They just called up Ethan Small today with J.B. Bukowskis going to the injured list. So they have guys they can piggyback these starters with so that they go into their first playoff game well-rested by not having thrown 100 pitches in seven innings in their previous start. They're going to have them going in feeling as fresh and as like <coughs> fresh as possible to start the playoffs. So do not be surprised. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't even go that far. I'd go farther to say, expect the top three starters for the Brewers to be um, making short appearances in their final starts of the regular season. Mm -hmm. So that said two against St. Louis three against Chicago in regular season, and then game one of the playoffs. We don't know who it is yet. So it could be, it could be the Cubs. It could be the Marlins and it could be the Reds. That's those crazy. Three, those three are all within a game and a half of each other. In my yep. opinion, the Diamondbacks have kind of locked up the second wild card spot. Yeah. Um. So we're really looking at those three teams for one spot. They're all within a game and a half of each other. I mean, ideally for the Brewers, we might as well like it to be the Reds because we ten and three against them. This That's year. what
2: I said. Remember, I said I <laughs> yeah. kind of hope it's the Reds, and I know we're going to win. <laughs> yeah.
1: Honestly, I it, I really don't care who it ends up being because I have I confidence in the Brewers either way. So, I'll go first. I'm going to say the Brewers have a three and three week. Three and three. I think they're going to split the next two with the Cardinals. I think they're going to win one out of three against the Cubs because the Cubs might be fighting to get in. So, they might be playing all their starters. Meanwhile, the Brewers are playing their starters for four innings and then pulling them out.
2: I'll I'll go go. four and two. I'll go four and two.
1: But either way, the Brewers playing home baseball in the wild card round. Yep. I don't care who it is. The Brewers are winning their first game on Tuesday. I agree. Um, Reggie, you think the Reds are getting hot? Yeah, Brewers have their number, big time.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a mindset thing at that point.
1: Yeah. Um, so kind of yeah, like I another think...
2: team that owns another team that we're going to talk about in like ten seconds here. Yeah,
1: <laughs> whoever whoever it ends up being, I think Craig Console will have the Brewers ready to face them. Agreed. All right. Next Wednesday, we'll be talking about Brewers playoff baseball.
2: Can't wait for that, baby.
1: All righty. Well, today we're gonna to move on to football. So we got Mike coming in here. We we've talked about. Oh, Mike's rocking the old school. He's Bucks got hat. the retro I, I dig Bucks hat
2: on. That's it. It. it.
1: All right. So, <laughs>
2: yes, we're going
1: to go from basketball to baseball to football. Talking about the Badgers in Purdue, they got their win on Friday night. Um, Jake has our offensive power pair player. So, Jake, take it away.
2: So, I have the, the house with legs. His name is Braylon Allen. Uh, 16 carries, 116 yards, a 7.3-yard average, two touchdowns. He had a long of 52. He also had one catch for nine yards. Uh, what else? What didn't he do? Uh, obviously, with the sad, sad news, uh, feel terrible for Chesma Lucy, obviously. Yeah, well, too. Yeah, I wanted I wanted to bring that up right away. I uh, feel terrible for the guy. The guy, uh, he cares. He wants to win. He loves his team. Uh, I feel like he really loves the Badgers. Yeah, get well soon, uh, Malusi. Seriously, but Braylon Allen's gonna be relied on even more than he was. So uh, we'll we'll see what the rotation looks like. Obviously, next week we'll have to make some predictions on some things, but yep. uh, we'll obviously get more news and more updates as well. But Braylon Allen was tremendous against Purdue.
1: All righty, Mike has our defensive power pair. Or no, Ooh. I do. Sorry, Yeah, I was I'm, gonna I'm, say I'm like, oh crap, I'm gonna look, <laughs> yep. but I had it written next to it. Not not reading my notes properly. My bad. I have the defensive guy. Mike has our underrated performer. So we'll get to we'll get to that. Let me do the defensive guy first. Our defensive power pair player was Ricardo Hallman. We can't have Hunter Waller on here all all 12 weeks. We probably could, but we got to give some other guys some love. So this week we went with Ricardo Hallman. He had five tackles, including a very nice tackle on a wide receiver screen that Jake and I broke down on Monday. And then he also had two interceptions. Oh, excuse me. So uh, we went with Carter Holman for defense. Mike has our underrated performer.
3: Oh uh, yeah. So it's a guy that uh, we've. I I know I have been hyping up for quite a while, especially since the season started. It's going to be Tanner Mordecai. Love it. Um, you know, maybe his passing yards and touchdowns aren't there yet this season in comparison to what maybe some fans want, but, I mean, the guy's still getting it done, right? So 17-27, 174 yards, one interception, although that interception, I think, should have been, probably been caught by DK, unfortunately. It was a tough one, but anyway. Sure. And he had 14 carries, 44 yards, and two um, clutch touchdown downs right in the red zone, so. Um, you know, we, we talked about this week after week. The guy's just mobile, and that's just something that uh we've we've been missing for quite a while at with Wisconsin football with a quarterback. Uh clearly this guy's a running threat. And uh, you know, 87.8 pro football focus, which is I like to look at that a lot now lately, as you guys know as well. That's a pretty damn good <laughs> score. But um, no, mobility is what we need, especially and especially now. I think we might even see this consistently. Uh, now that uh, Mr. Chesmalusi, unfortunately, is no longer with us for the season. I think we're going to see more of this throughout the season. Obviously, that could that's, ri- that's going to be a little risky um, you know, with the quarterback. But uh, I could see this happening more as the season progresses, especially with what transpired this past week.
1: If Luke Fickle messes around and turns Tanner Mordecai into a dual-threat quarterback, that's going to be a super underrated part of the season. Man. Absolutely. If it leads um, to a
2: lot of Ws, yes.
3: Yes. I think you're going to – I'll talk about this later, but I think we could see some, some uh, different some guys in the backfield and not just talking about running backs either.
1: Oh, I agree with you. I yeah. agree with you.
3: And there's a so, couple guys they can use like
2: that. Before we get into our keys, I just want to throw out a, a stat about Badgers versus Purdue. Um, this was the 17th straight win for the mm-hmm. Badgers against Purdue. Uh, that goes back to 2004, which we were all little kids back then. Uh, the Brewer, or the Brewers, the Badgers have not lost at Ross Aid Stadium since 1997. And I know everybody on this panel was no older than six years old, so let that sink in.
3: That place is tough to play, man. That place not, was not, not, not if you wear Cardinal, Cardinal Red,
2: not
1: if you wear Cardinal Red. I
3: mean, these Purdue beat Ohio State not too long ago at their stadium, so I mean, it's it's good it's plan. out there. I mean, that place was, was rocking, fun. though, man. I was going into the season. I thought this was going to be one of the losses that we had. Uh, I guess I'll switch that with the Washington State game because uh, I picked <laughs> us to win that. But uh, no, this good. was a game I thought we were going to lose going into the year. So um, Washington yeah, State's not us. a bad
2: loss, though. They're a good team this year. They're really they just good. Beat they are. Oregon State.
3: We saw it. Yeah, they took it to Cam Ward. I mean.
2: A stud. The way he's been playing,
3: he might be in the Heisman conversation. I'm not kidding when I say that. Yeah,
2: <laughs> not, not over uh, – what the hell's Washington quarterbacks' name? Oh, oh there's Benix. a lot of dudes. Yeah. That, uh, Big that fan of guy's a like freaking that. stud. Big fan. Yeah. Stud. Penix I would legit
1: actually be scared if one of the NFC North teams got him.
2: Yeah, yeah, he's good.
1: Um. All right, so let me also throw this out there. I don't know if either of you guys plan to mention this. Actually, no, Jake's going to mention it. I'm, I guarantee it. Uh Michael, go to you first. What improved for the Badgers in this game?
3: Yeah, so I would say the the pat, the pass protection for sure. I know we've so some of these offensive linemen have had bad games. Uh, you know, we could talk about Adam, Jack Nelson, he, for awesome. example. Um, you know, he didn't give up one single pressure this this past week week, which is great. That's something good to build off of going into um obviously the rest of the year after the bye week, but Uh, Not just the linemen, though, too. Uh, I'm going to give the running backs uh, some props. So the one key play I'm going to bring us to, uh, it's in the second half. It was a third and six uh, in the fourth quarter with 7.27 to go. I think this might have been Ches Malusi's last best play as a Wisconsin Badger, unfortunately. But he had the biggest block, I think, of the possibly the entire game. Because this is a point in the game when we were stalling. Purdue was... Uh, was moving the ball quite a bit on us too. Uh, we kind of let the gas off, so to speak, which we're going to talk about. But Chez Malusi had the best chip block on, I think it was an outside linebacker who was who was rushing Mordecai, who was damn near close of getting him if it wasn't for Chez. So I wanted to get him, give Chez a shout out for that because that led to a Chimray DK 15 yard catch, which kept the drive going and it did end up stalling. But the way with how Purdue was moving the ball at that point in time, we needed to at least get one first down and take some time off the clock. So um, that was the major, major, you know, key to the game in my view. So uh, props to that. But, yeah, only one sack. It was good. It was good overall, pass protection. Um, need to build off this.
1: Jake, what do you improve for the Badgers?
2: So last week I was talking I wanted a fast start, and that's exactly what I got on Friday night. Um they got off to a very fast start. Uh first drive, eight plays, sixty-two yards. Uh they only had one third down that entire drive. So they were they were business. Uh they had a uh just disgusting touchdown run by Mordecai, which me and you broke down uh earlier this week, just parting the red seas on that one. Uh second drive, seven plays, thirty-eight yards, uh a clutch pitch and catch uh from Tanner and uh Tanner to CJ Williams on third and five. Uh, absolutely great concentration by CJ and Tanner had a six yard touchdown run on third and goal on that drive to get us up 14 to zero. So those are two clutch plays, a third drive, 16 plays. This is an old school Wisconsin drive, 16 plays, 75 yards, picked up four third downs. The Badgers started the game nine for nine on third down. So that is something that is phenomenal uh, on this drive uh Allen ended it with a 14-yard touchdown run. Tanner Mordecai went 5 of 6 for 43 yards on this uh including picking up three first downs with his arm. So just tremendous stuff on this drive. Got off to a really fast start and didn't look back really.
1: I like it. Um first opening drive touchdown of the year. Yeah. Yeah. That's So for me, the thing that improved was the consistency, and it's the consistency in play calling and execution was much better. I'd say this is the – and I don't think this is a hot take, but this was the offense's most complete game of the season so far, and I feel like week to week we've seen more and more flashes of what the offense is capable of. So this happened at times where we felt like, okay, these are the drives where they're playing up-tempo, they're playing pace, they're mixing this, they're mixing the run, they're mixing the pass. Yep. Uh, and just moving the ball and just continuing to move the ball. We could see it for, you know, a drive here and there, and then we'd have a drive here and there in the next game, and then they'd go on a nice touchdown drive. But I feel like they're starting to get consistent by putting drive after drive together as opposed to just one or two drives a game where it look really good.
2: Just so you um, can see that. <laughs> what up, Curtis? Keep going.
1: Um, so, yeah, for me it was the consistency of the team improving. And I really appreciated seeing that. So, Mike, what is something that the Badgers can
3: improve on offense going forward? I would say, you know, we, we now we got to a game where we finally got off to a fast start, right? Now, how can we improve from that? We got to keep the pedal down. Um, you know, Jay kind of mentioned it before. I, you're not going to be perfect in this stat, but we were seven of seven. I think in the first half specifically on third down, that was impressive. Uh, then it ended up being nine and nine, and then I would say even get. It, more so turning field goals into touchdowns right because we definitely had so we had, definitely had a handful of opportunities i mean there was two occurrences where i think it was like third and goal from probably about the four of the five there was a blitz twice Purdue brought a blitz Tanner mordecai threw it to the, like the exact same spot in the back of the end zone and that led to you know field goals so just keeping keeping the pedal down i mean yeah that was the main part thank god we have we have we have a kicker now. Um, but more so, just um, keeping our foot on the gas because there's times where we definitely stalled out too. Is right, probably in the end, of, towards the middle of the third, early fourth, especially when Purdue is really, you know, putting our backs against the wall because they were starting to move it, whether it was through the run or they did get a couple pass plays off us too. But more so on the running, which I'm gonna talk about later. But um, if we can just keep keep a pedal down on that, um, you know, we're we're gonna be sitting good. Now we had a good game in the first half. We've done it in the second half before in the third quarter specifically. Now how do we put that all together? So I'm looking forward to that. We're going to see different things, I think, once uh, we hit Rutgers and continue on the Big Ten season. But uh, just got to put it all together and keep the gas pedal down.
1: Jake, do you uh, do you want to answer this question before you answer the Badgers offense question?
2: Yeah, sure. So uh, hi, Devin. Welcome to the page. Um, the reason that I like Grayson Allen, first of all, he's a tremendous spot up shooter. Uh, Tyler and I talked all last year about his ability to break down a defense, uh, with his dribble drive. A lot of times when the offense was stalling out and people were just building a wall on Giannis, it was Grayson Allen, who was the guy that broke down the defense and and got people opportunities off a dribble drive, uh, catch and shoot, uh, opportunities. Also, he became a very decent defender last year. He got much better on ball. He got much better off ball. He was jumping passing lanes and he's a guy that's a little bit underrated at finishing in the paint. Uh, Take all of the, the other antics out of it. uh, You're going to, you're going to sit there and pretend like not other NBA players have antics off the court that you don't agree with Uh, just because every once in a while, there would be something that you didn't agree with. Doesn't take away from his impact on, the, the game, the games that he had, and he was – I never heard anything bad about him as a teammate. So if you're going to be mad about something that happened 10 years ago at this point at Duke, I would say that you need to get over it.
1: Yeah. And on the subject of Grayson, I'm glad you brought up his driving kick and his finishing ability, but the, the bottom line was he gave his effort. And what yeah. I'll say about Grayson is he owned his role. 100%. He knew he was the 5th or 6th option on the team and he owned that. Yeah. So he he played his part, he never complained about it and he gave his effort. So um and, and
2: like, like we talk about all the time, people always like compare everybody to like the best players in the league. Compare him to other people that are in his role. Right.
1: Um he said I can't he said I hated the Duke boys with the silver spoon ever I get that. And movie. I knew that's
2: what it was. I knew it. I knew it right away. I didn't even have to like like I don't even know you and I already knew that. You it's, see it's Duke the, same the chest thing and you if, hate people.
1: Going from college to NBA, once they're playing for my team, I'm a fan.
2: Yeah. Uh he's it, it says bucks on his chest now. So right. It's just like <laughs> it's just like if the Packers
1: were to draft an Ohio State player, like yeah. Josh Myers is on the Badgers or on the Packers, but like we want Ohio State wide receivers, like we're I talking about Badgers, Olave. and we hate Ohio State. <laughs> but there's no denying they turn out wide receivers like the Badgers turn out offensive linemen. You're they, not, not going to love Aaron
2: Junior. Like really?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, we we gassed up Chris Olave when we did our Saints recap yeah. last night. Yeah. Um, Michael Thomas is good. Garrett Wilson is good. They've they've put good. Um, they put good. Uh, wide receivers in the NFL. If we get somebody from Ohio State, great. They're a good university that puts people in the in the NFL. Oh. Um, and obviously, the Steelers have the same feelings about the Badgers' defensive
2: players. a yeah, Benton was balling, bro. He's balling for them, bro.
3: Got his first sack.
2: But he did. That's He's me. balling.
3: Yeah. Yeah, which
1: yeah I agree. Players? So. Let's get back
2: into the Badgers football here, what what needs to improve. For me, it was penalties. Uh, The Badgers had 11 penalties overall, 10 of them on the offense. Um, I tallied them up. We had one intentional grounding, one delay of game. We had a holding, uh, two holdings. We had one on Bordellini and one on uh, Rucci, the Hayden version. And then we had six false starts.
3: That was so bad.
2: So, like, the holding, understandable. Delay a game, that kind of shit happens. Intentional grounding, again, that's one of those things that happens. False starts, though, that's not that's a off. mental thing. Yeah, you you take those off. six away, uh, you you're looking pretty decent in my opinion. Uh, like I said, holdings, those happen every single play. You can literally call a holding on whoever the hell you want on any given play, any punt return. You can call it on defensive lineman if you want. They start calling that more the last couple of years, by the way, but. You know, the false starts, those are the ones that really kind of irk you. It's kind of like, hey, come on, guy. Um, so let's get those false starts under control. Let's play a little bit cleaner brand of football. And we could we could really hang in with some of these big boys. Yeah.
1: Devin, thank you for the question. That's that's why we do the show live, so people can comment and give us their questions and their input. That's, that's one of the main reasons we do the show live. So thank You're you as well. You. My thing for what the Badgers can improve on, it's drops. There were three drops in this game. Uh, one Hayden Rucci dropped what could have been his first touchdown of the season. Um, he dropped a ball on like the one yard line where if he just falls backwards onto his back, he's in the end zone for a touchdown. Now this drop didn't end up affecting the team because the next play Tanner Mordecai ran in for his first touchdown, but second one, hmm, Mike gave a lot of credit to Skylar Bell last week, but Skylar Bell had another drop this week. Um, it was a deep yeah. shot on first down, Would have been a big play, and the drive resulted in their first punt of the game shortly before the the end of the first half. Yeah. And then the third one was Will Pauling dropped what would have been another big play, uh, and with his speed, maybe even a touchdown. Uh, That drive ended in a field goal. But you're looking at it, for me, when we're going to get to the Iowas, the Ohio States, even Illinois, the Minnesota, when we start playing teams that are better than Purdue and better than uh, Georgia Southern and Buffalo and Rutgers when we start playing better teams leaving points on the board is going to be a big deal Yeah, that's absolutely. why this is such a big thing for me to continue bringing up is leaving points on the board now thankfully like I said the Badgers were still able to get 10 points out of, out of these three drops but I mean you look at it there's potentially 21 points worth of drops here and the Badgers got 10
2: yeah
1: so you're looking at, let's just say, the Badgers were able to get those extra eleven points. We're talking about a forty-nine to seventeen victory,
3: close to that so forty to six prediction of yours. Close I to- know <laughs> it,
1: it looks so good in the first half, and I'm like, oh, it, 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 yeah, I, that's what I said to Jake. I'm like, it looks good in the first half. All right, Mike. What improved on the defensive side of the ball?
3: So we harped on this the first couple of weeks of the season because we were. Uh, Really, really longing for it. But we got multiple turnovers in back-to-back weeks. Uh, led bar- by our boy, Ricardo Hallman, two interceptions. He had the one uh, right at halftime there. Um, yeah, it looked like a good, clean play, too. I mean, both – it was basically I, – I looked at it as, you know, the game 500 where, like, somebody just chucks the ball. And, like, yeah. It's like those two dudes were just, like, trying to catch the ball, right? The That's how I looked at ball. it. The receiver, the receiver slipped. Um, Ricardo did his job, caught the ball. Halftime. And then he had another. You know
2: what I think of that interception, though? He took that kid's lunch money, dude. (laughs) He really did.
3: (laughs) He took his lunch money. Dude. Yeah, and he was harping. I think think that was the same guy. If you remember, at the end of the game, it was like the last possession Purdue had. Uh, They had like a fourth down and and everything. They threw it Ricardo's way. They were looking for another pass interference. Uh, No, but they called offensive pass interference. Uh, Ricardo Holman (laughs) got, yeah, he got pushed on. And then, like, the flag was thrown. Ricardo got in his face after it, too. And I'm like, "Yeah, that's right. That's,
2: that's how you know he's in your head.
3: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, no, at two interceptions, the second one came. They actually ran his own coverage on this, too. Um, basically, the guy was do, doing a crossing route, and uh, Ricardo basically stayed put in, in his area, saw it, picked it right off. So that was really cool to see. Then the, thir- the third interception – or, excuse me, the third turnover – uh, shout out to Caden Johnson. He only had this guy he got a strip sack for us. Or he might might maybe just call it a sack, but um he only played flat five snaps all game. So uh to say he uh, yeah, to say he got his uh money's worth. Uh yeah, you could say that. So uh yeah. then Darian Varner, as we know, um the running back picks it up. He thinks the play is dead, but Darian Varner stuck with it, strips the ball out of out of the, the guy the running back's hand and then uh causes a fumble and that basically sealed the game. So that was with about, yeah, five minutes, 20 seconds to go. We get the ball on Purdue's, I don't know, roughly 25, 30-yard line. And, you know, the rest is history. But that that was crucial because, again, Purdue, that whole second half, was moving the ball on us uh, quite a bit. And to put that drive away with how that – to how we end it, to how it ended that way, that was uh, icing on the cake. That was badly needed.
1: All right, Jake, What uh, what improved for you? for the Badgers defense?
2: So for me, it was the third down defense, and it wasn't like a massive improvement, but for me, it was a step forward. Uh Again, this is a building block year. Uh, We're going to say that a lot with the Badgers and the Packers. So to have these building blocks and build upon things week to week is something that I really like. And when I think about third down defense, I think about something that Luke Fickle said about this game after the game. He said, I think we grew up tonight. And I think that when I think about the third down defense, they forced – 3 of 7 in the first half, 3 of 8 in the second half. Uh uh Annie says hi to Devin. Uh we say hi to Annie. <laughs> so, hi. Um they they caused them 6 of 15 on third down. So, that's 40%. They were giving up a a little over 50%, like 51% last couple of weeks. So, they gave up 23 first downs uh not all on third down, by the way. But nine from rush, 13 from pass, and one from penalty. So clean up the passing first downs, in my opinion, and I think that we're going to be looking like a stout defense. The one thing that – oh, hi, yeah, bot, Annie, I know. I know. <laughs> um, one thing that um I think needs to improve on the defense, and I was actually talking about Cody, who's in the comments right now, is I think that – the Badgers are allowing the offense to dictate too much of the pace right now, the opposing team's offense. So I would like to see the defense attack a little bit more. But that's not my to improve. But it kind of goes in with it.
1: All righty. Uh, for me, it was the improvement was not allowing big plays in the passing game. So Georgia Southern actually had the biggest play of the game um, last week was um, a 68-yard passing play. Just a, a too big of a play to allow – and this week Purdue's biggest passing play was 18 yards. Cool. So we talked about last week, a bunch of us brought it up. I think actually all three of us brought it up that uh, Dion Burks was averaging 20 point, 24.6 yards per complete or per reception coming into this game. Uh-huh. And then, like I said, Purdue's longest pass play of this game was 18 yards. Uh-huh. And then the other things and I just, I just went through his game so far this season the Purdue quarterback Hudson card had his lowest completion percentage of the season, his lowest yard total of the season, the yeah. most receptions, by far his lowest yards per attempt, by far his lowest rating and zero passing touchdowns. So that's the, good. Handle handled the passing game very, very well in my opinion. So that was a big improvement from the week before. So, Mikey, heading into the bye
3: week, what needs to improve on defense for the Badgers? Uh, I think I mean our run defense, right? We're kind of like Wisconsin defense in the past, like this is what this has been one of our specialties, I, I would say, in comparison Absolutely. to uh what our kryptonite has been with like spread offenses and just like gashing us. Our run defense is usually um you know, our, our bread and butter with like stopping opposing teams. But I did kind of bring it up in the in the chat too but I mean what's interesting here is you know Jake between Jake Ch- Chaney and Jordan Turner they played all the snaps except one for Muma. So I I still haven't heard anything in regards to what's going on in that situation could be personal could be whatever but that was just one thing that that stuck out. Fickle did say he was ma- he was available for the game. So if I don't know what's again going on with that but that, that guy usually Muma is a run stopper and Um, I don't know if it 31 carries 194 yards, two touchdowns, you know, that's just not like us. Um, something that we need to clean up. Hopefully that, that, that situation is going to be solved too by the time we see Rutgers, whether it's personal or not, or somebody else is going to have to step up plain and simple. So, uh, that's something that definitely needs to get cleaned up going forward.
1: Jake, what do you think needs to improve heading into the bye week for the
2: defense? So, I'm picking back it off of Mikey here, but I agree with the running game. He gave some of the numbers. That comes out to a 6.3-yard average. That's that's gross. That cannot happen. You're allowing teams, like I said, to dictate uh, the pace that they want to play at. They're staying ahead of the sticks, which uh, goes back to what I think improved was a third-down defense. If you don't stop the run, you're going to have bad third-down defense. Uh, we talked about that during the Packers-Falcons game. Mm-hmm. The Falcons a lot were allowed to just run the ball. Uh, dictate the pace they wanted to play at. And they they sat in third and threes all game. And, of course, they're going to pick them up. And people are going to be like, wow, the Packers' defense is bad. Stop the run. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you stop the run. You stop – I'm not even shitting when I say this. You probably stop 65% of offensive playbooks. Because play actions, uh, little short passes off of that. I mean, there's so much stuff that you can play off of the when run. When you get
1: teams into third and long, you put them into predictable positions.
2: Yes. Uh, You make it easier on yourself. So uh, help yourself uh, by stopping the run. Uh, That's going to be important tomorrow, Green Bay, if you're listening. So please stop the run. Uh, The thing that uh, I looked at, some of the big runs, we gave up runs of 12, 19, and 19. We gave up a 19-yard touchdown that that kind of got you a little worried when you were watching the game. You're like, oh, God, they're kind of gashing us, right? A 19-yard touchdown run is not a thing that you want to see your team give up Uh, I thought Card had good mobility. He also had a six-yard touchdown run. Uh, They also had a 24-yard run. Uh, Just the big plays need to stop. Uh, We talked about the big plays in the passing game. Don't allow big plays in the running game. Uh, And you'll have good third-down defense. You get people off the field. Then we got to watch Tanner Mordecai and uh, Braylon Allen run. So that's what I want to see.
1: So my thing, this is something I've harped on a lot with both of our football teams. It's tackling. Tackling needs to improve. It still needs to improve. Uh, It was pretty good in the first half, but very sloppy in the second half, which led to some big plays, led to some extra first downs. The Badgers just cannot allow teams to extend drives in that way. Mm -hmm. This is a scenario where it's what I would say is the other team isn't beating you, but you're beating yourself Yeah, by missing tackles. Mm -hmm. That to me is something that is on par with turning the ball over in any sport that you want to bring up turnovers, that's on par with that, missing tackles. That's basically the defensive version of a turnover, in my opinion. Yeah, Because you're just allowing the offense to keep the ball by not doing your job, something that you can control, which is just making tackles. So we've seen what happens to teams when the defense is on the field too much. This is what happened to the Packers against the Falcons, like Jake just brought up. When your defense is on the field for tons of time during the game and you allow the opposing team – to extend their time of possession, that tires out your defense, which just benefits the offense of the opposing team. So for me, it's still the tackling that needs to improve.
2: So before we get off, I have one more Braylon Allen stat. I was saving for the end because I want to end on a good note because I knew we were going to do what needs to improve. So let's get positive real quick. Wisconsin running back Braylon Allen, 116 rush yards at Purdue, is his 17th career 100-yard 100 plus yard rushing game more than any other active running back in the power five.
3: Oh, hell yeah. There we go. Um,
1: my last thing that I wanted to say before we signed off is Mike said that this could be potentially Chesman Lucy's last big play as a Wisconsin Badger. I don't think so. Ooh. It's not that yeah. he's going to be back this year, but Chesman Lucy by getting injured in week four has the ability to come back in 2024. And I think he will do that.
3: That's going to be interesting. That. Is- I, I saw yeah, that, that too, Brad right? Matt Davidson, but, sixty year senior. <laughs> I mean, he'd be good for for the young guys because you got to remember with our we got three freshman running backs coming into the system. Maybe yeah. he wants to. He could be the catalyst. Maybe he could be the captain of the ship, you know, so to yeah. speak, yeah. and you know, teach these young guys like, hey, what's up, um, man? That'd be great. I would love to have him back because obviously we're gonna be very. Uh, I don't want to say depleted, but we're gonna be very young. Yeah. Um, whether that's with Jackson Aker, Yakameli, and then the, Nate White, and then those three true freshmen coming in. That's basically yeah. what we're going to have. So yeah. uh, we got Chess back next year. I mean, who says no? Absolutely nobody should. Nobody <laughs> says no. Yeah. Agreed. So, all right. To recap,
1: the Packers came back from being down 17 to nothing on Sunday.
2: Tied a franchise record.
1: Tied a franchise record. Uh, the Brewers clinched the NL Central yesterday. Uh, the Milwaukee 30-60. Bucks got Damian Lillard today. And the Packers play tomorrow. Uh, Jake and I tomorrow afternoon Let's are going to break down the Packers plays from that comeback. We're going to do that live tomorrow afternoon, kind of similar to how we did the Badgers on Sunday or on Monday. Yep. And then the Packers play tomorrow night. And then Friday night, we'll be back to recap the Lions game. We're not going to do the preview. We're going to save that for the following Friday. Yep. Other than that, go Brewers. Playoffs start on Tuesday. So we're cheering for the Packers, the Brewers. And obviously, we're going to be getting closer to Bucks season which starts a month from tomorrow. So we're very, or no, a month from yesterday, a month from yesterday, their first game is October 26th. So we're less than a month away from buck season, which is very exciting. Um, To answer one last question. um, Why are the Packers working out kickers? I missed the Packers part. The Packers part was last night, Reggie. So if you missed that, you can go back and watch it on the page. You can watch it on YouTube or you can listen anywhere you get podcasts. Uh, The Packers are working out kickers for the practice squad.
2: Thanks for joining today, Reggie. You stayed with us the whole time. That's awesome.
1: Yes. And uh, just to remind you guys, Damian Lillard is a Milwaukee Buck.
0: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place